Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we wanted to continue our discussion from the Book of Romans and look at it from an apologetic perspective. And in continuation, we will take a look at chapter 3. And chapter 3 is really an extension of the previous chapter. Uh, In chapter 2, we learn that um, there is uh, clarity regarding God's fairness as it relates to judgment. God is fair. I know in America, uh, we look at Lady Justice and she has the blinds or the blinders across her eyes. But in practicality and in actuality, uh, we learn that uh, justice is not always fair in the American judicial system. So when it comes to justice, it seems as though if you have influence or if you are affluent or if you're in a particular financial position, you're able uh, to get more justice than those without. So even though we tout our judicial system Uh, in America as one of the best globally uh, is still imperfect. And we pray uh, for the lawyers. We pray for the uh, legal um, regulations. We pray uh, for fairness. But unfortunately, because of sin, our judicial system is often imperfect and uh, biased against those without But when it comes to God, God is completely fair. God is uh, completely uh, objective in the way that he deals with us because God doesn't have the potential for being biased uh, in in terms of a negative sense. Uh, God is biased in a good sense in regards to his nature. Everything God does is bent towards love, is bent towards perfection, is bent toward purity. So when God deals with us, it's really for our best interest. So when it comes to salvation, what Paul is trying to make clear is even though the initial invitation came through a particular group that we call Israel, it didn't end there. God's invitation extends to all of mankind, Jews, as well as Gentiles. So in chapter 3, Paul continues a defense of God's judgment. So in other words, Paul is articulating the why as it relates to God's judgment. He continues to remind the Romans that God treats all people equitably. The Jews uh, did not have uh, an ontological advantage over the Gentiles, uh, just because you're born a Jew culturally or genealogically doesn't mean you have an advantage 
over the Gentiles. The Gentiles, yes, have been grafted in, but their adoption doesn't make them any less than someone who's of a Jewish origin. God sees them equally uh, sinful if they haven't accepted Christ. But once we accept Christ, we are equally forgiven. We are uh, equally his child. Uh, there's, not, there's not one race greater or better than the other. Paul himself said it was his wish that all of Israel would become saved. But we realize that there will be those who reject the son. There will be those who reject the overture. So uh, all of us are put at equal footing as it relates to our position in Jesus. He supports uh, his point by citing Psalms 51 and 4 as we look at uh, chapter 3. And Psalm 51 and 4 says, Against you, you only, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. So God uh, has always been equitable in his judgment. Righteousness, as Paul says, is based on God's standards of what is right. Truth is not based on subjective interpretations, but rather uh, objective interpretations of what God is able to do objectively. Furthermore, uh, we don't submit our transgressions to uh, one another as human beings, but we submit our shortcomings to God because he's the one that we have violated. He's the one uh, whose laws we have uh, transgressed against. So when we sin, we sin against God. We don't sin against a political party. We don't sin against another human person. We don't sin against uh, in terms of what sin is. Uh, sin towards one another is really based on sin against God because he's the one that details what's right and wrong. So if you commit uh, transgressions or if you commit a, a sin against another person, in reality, you're committing a sin against God because neither one of us, meaning you or I, have a standard for anybody to uh, violate. That standard is really towards God. So when we violate uh, or when we do things against one another, it's in reality a violation of a standard that God has already put in place. So we're in, uh, uh, invariably sinning against God. So as a result, it is only God that can absolve sins. It's only God that can absolve sins. So let me try to unpack this. So when we uh, commit a sin, if, you, if you're married and you do something against your spouse, let's say somebody cheats on their spouse, meaning that they develop another relationship outside of holy matrimony. Well, yes, you've uh, violated the sense of matrimony, but why is that sinful? It's sinful because God has already told us that it's sinful to uh, uh, violate the marriage covenant. It's, it's already written. So even though, yes, we violated the covenant between me 
and my spouse or you and your spouse, the reason why it's wrong is because God has already preordained it to be wrong. So we violated, number one, God. And secondly, we violated the person who's the object of our affections. So we need to get our issues resolved uh, through God first. And when your issues are resolved through God, meaning that you're in good standings with God, then it's more likely that you'll be in good, good standings with uh, the rest of humanity. That's very important. Uh, it's not the other way around. We don't, we, we don't become righteous uh, through good works uh, bent towards one another. Our righteousness is based on us being in good standings with God. So God's standard is what we need to pursue. Truth is not, again, based on subjective interpretations. Now, there may be those who accuse God of not being fair. Paul argues against it. He says God is not unrighteous when he disseminates his justice. God's condemnation is just, uh, verses 5 through 7 in chapter 3. So to further elaborate on this point, Paul alerts his readers that God is indeed fair. Why? Because all of humanity have transgressed against God, and he has shown mercy. Uh, There's nothing we have done in our own power that could have satisfied the penalty of sin. All humans have violated God's principle at some point in their life. Paul writes that there is no one that is righteous outside of a believer in Christ. Verse 10, Romans 3 and 10. Paul cites another Old Testament passage in order to buttress this point. He says, the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. So the passage in Romans 3.10 is actually um, an elaboration of Psalms 14, 1 through 3, to connect God's righteousness, meaning that God has always had this standard. So we see it in Psalms 14, 1 through 3, and Paul brings it back up in Romans 3.10. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Uh, you can't come to, uh, or you can't rather brag about uh, who you are and, and look what I've done and uh, look at all these accomplishments that I've obtained and look how smart I am and look how many gifts I have and look at how many degrees I've earned. All of that is made possible by God waking you up each day. All of the things you think you've accomplished is made possible by uh, God giving you the ability to be in your right mind. All of that is made possible Uh, through God giving you the power to even make it through the day, to go to classes, to not be sick to the point where you can't make it to your class. All of that is due to God's benevolence. If it wasn't for God allowing us to be in our right minds, we wouldn't have the degrees. We wouldn't uh, have the health to make it through the day. If it wasn't for God's mercy, So everything we have, we have to thank God 
the righteousness is not found in us, but is found in the source of righteousness, which is God. It is clear that Paul sees a continuity between the Old and New Testament. God has been sharing his message of reconciliation since the fall. When we look back in Genesis, the Messiah had been promised. At the time of Paul's writing, the Messiah had indeed arrived and the message was clear. There's no one who can beat on their chest and say, I was born perfect because of the fall. There is no one who can dare say, I have not fallen short of the glory of God. The law itself points to the principles of God. The law points to the reality of sin as well as how to remedy it in verses 9 through 19 of chapter 1 in the book of Romans. Paul then, uh, uh, chapter 3 rather, in the book of Romans. Paul then, he, uh, he shifts his focus to how righteousness can be obtained. Righteousness, according to Paul, can be obtained through faith. It is righteousness um, which came formerly through the prophets and the law, but not fully through the blood of Christ, meaning that the law was insufficient. So in addition, the righteousness of God is intended for all of humanity, regardless of race, regardless of gender. Righteousness is intended for all of humanity. Uh, as, as a result, we look at Jew, the Jews who cannot boast or by their interpretation of the law. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, as in verse 23. Paul denounces the interpretation of multiple uh, Jewish leaders who preached and taught about the law of works. And the law of works attempted to uplift uh, or supersede the law of faith. The law of faith does not abolish the principles associated by the law of works, but the law of works is made clearer and more understandable by understanding the law of faith, verses 27 through 31. Paul uses the principle of Jewish monotheism against the common contention of Jewish particularism. Because God is one, he is the God of both Jews as well as Gentiles, Romans 3.29. And because God is one, he justifies both Jews and Gentiles on the basis of the same criteria, which is found in faith. Romans 3.30. Jews and Gentiles then have equal access to the one who offers salvation. Amen. So it, it really doesn't matter uh, who you are. Uh, the gospel bids you to come. It doesn't matter what your race is. The gospel bid you to come. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, how rich your culture is. The gospel, uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ, invites you into a loving relationship with Jesus. So you're bid to come and accept the invitation. Then in chapter 4, uh, the theme of righteousness is again continued. This time, however, Paul references the biblical patriarch Abraham in order to support his point. He again cites an Old Testament passage found in Genesis 1-6. Paul argues that Abraham 
was not justified by works, but rather by his belief in God. Furthermore, this type of faith in God can be found in David as referenced in the book of Psalms 32, verses 1 through 2. Listen to this. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is, the, uh, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not in, impute iniquity, which is unconfessed sin, and in those and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Psalms 32, 1 through 2. So again, Psalm 32, 1 through 2. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. It is not human effort through works that justifies a believer, but rather their faith rooted in faith. Paul, after making this statement, then shifts his attention back to Abraham. It is clear that this passage was written to those who esteemed and uh, 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 had Abraham and David as their standard. They had a Jewish background. They had knowledge about Jewish literature. They, they, they have knowledge about uh, Jewish culture and religion. It is very likely that this passage in chapter 4 was composed to get the attention of the Jews who had settled in Rome. Abraham, according to Paul, was justified prior to a physical res- uh, circumcisions, cross-reference Genesis 17, 26, as noted in verses 9 through 12 of chapter 4. Abraham, due to his faith, was justified prior to his physical circumcision because of his faith. There were those um, in the first century teaching that unless you were circumcised, uh, you couldn't uh, gain righteousness in the eyes of God. And when Jesus came, the gospel preached something different. Uh, It didn't preach in terms of the gospel. Jesus didn't preach the circumcision of the foreskin. He preached the circumcision of the heart. That's what matters. So the descendants of Abraham uh, are justified through the circumcision of the heart, not the circumcision of the foreskin, as they falsely assumed. Paul continues his argument on Abraham's faith by providing specific moments when Abraham displayed his faith. According to Paul, the following acts were credited as righteousness by God. He believed that God would give a son through his elderly wife, Sarah, verse 17. He believed that God would use him to conceive a son even at 100 years old. Verses 18 through 19. He had faith that God will fulfill his promise to him. Verse 20. This chapter concludes with an assurance. Just like the aforementioned acts were counted toward righteousness, anyone who believes in God through the Son can be justified. Verses 23 through 25. Uh, That's such a blessing. Anyone who accepts the Son... um, will have access to the Father. So it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how much uh, transgressions you've accumulated. If you repent, 
if you accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, God will save you. And God's power is potent enough to lift anybody out of the pit that they're in. So somebody needs to hear this message from an apologetic perspective. Someone needs to hear this uh, message. It doesn't matter where you come from. The power of Jesus Christ can save you. We even have uh, people listening to us all around the world. So it doesn't matter where you come from. If you're listening to us in, 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 in Africa, if you're listening to us in India, which we do have listeners all around the world, if you're listening to us in the United Kingdom, and I realize that in Europe, in many cases, uh, People brag about their scholarship. People brag about their ability to uh, unpack their philosophical uh, perspectives. People brag about, uh, in Europe, their atheism, their skepticism, their humanism. But if you're listening to me, regardless of where you are, your intellect will only take you so far. If you want to have a life that's filled with peace, with serenity and joy, Learn to uh, have a relationship with Jesus the Christ. And if you are in a third world country, as we call it, and you don't have all of the uh, mechanisms, you don't have all of the technology, you don't have access to all of the finest libraries, and uh, you don't have access to all the finest grocery stores, and you don't have access to all of the uh, theme parks and all of the material things that we find in the first worlds or the, or, or the super countries as we tend to call them. It's okay. If you have Jesus Christ, that's really all that you need. If you have Christ, he'll give you the peace that surpassed all understanding. If you have Jesus, he'll give you the joy uh, that uh, can't be measured. If you have Jesus, he'll help you to open doors that even you cannot see. So it doesn't matter where you are right now. If you have Jesus Christ, the gospel message will take you further than any amount of money you can even envision. There are people uh, uh, all across the world with plenty of money, but they don't have the peace. That's a path all understanding. They don't have the joy. That's immeasurable. They don't have a relationship with the Savior of the universe. And we as Christians, we are afforded this privilege of knowing the Creator, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who sent the only monogenous Son, Jesus the Christ, to die for our sins. So I hope today's message and episode was edifying to you that regardless of your station in life, if you know Jesus, He'll take you to where you need to be. He is all that we need, and Jesus can save, and Jesus can revive, and Jesus can give purpose to all of us who acquiesce, who give in, uh, who settle ourselves in him. Jesus can do the immeasurable. He can do things that even you can't see right now. If we walk by faith and not by sight, I promise you the Lord will meet you on the other side. Our time have come to a close. We thank you for listening. And to all of you around the globe that listen to Sound Reasoning Radio Show, we, we are thankful for your listenership. And again, we encourage you uh, to continue praying for this ministry 
as we prepare to do more training in Christian apologetics. We need your support, so please go online and give, or you can mail it to us. Now remember to do for the truth what so many do for a lie. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. If you're hearing this right now, you're probably like, who the heck is this and why are they playing during my favorite podcast? And I get it. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want to introduce myself. My name is Trevor Tyson, and I'm the host of Trevor Talks, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. I just want to invite you, if you love podcasts, if you love music, if you love books and love hearing from the people who create it, come check us out at Trevor Talks. Simply go to Google or Life Audio, type in Trevor Talks, and it'll pop on up. Hope you have a great day.